0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. 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 Today's sermon is on our gospel reading from Luke 18, 9-14, in which we heard of the prayer life of a Pharisee and a tax collector, their religious life. This pericope teaches us what false piety looks like. It looks haughty, looks proud, Arrogant, that ostentatious, holier-than-thou attitude of elitism that misplaces confidence within oneself rather than where it belongs outside of the self in God. All this is taught by the actions of the Pharisee in contrast to the actions of the tax collector, the figure from whom we learn about true piety, that it's Humble, lowly, honest, repentant, and confident. Confident in God to do what is right and just. Only with that kind of confidence can you see someone drop to their knees and plead for mercy. Why was this tax collector truly pious and humble and therefore justified? And exalted in Christ. That's that's the overall question today. Why is this man justified by his actions? We see his actions. We recognize them to be good. But why? Why is he justified? Why is he exalted by Christ? Well, to get to this answer, we want to ask a few more questions and do a little digging. What do we know about tax collectors? Why are you smiling at me, Jess? They're not exactly the most loved people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you've been paying attention to anything going on by our elected officials in Washington, you know we're about to get 87,000 more of them pretty soon. And then most of them will be armed and trained as law enforcement agents. Yay. <laughs> no, but what do we know about tax collectors from scripture? They were a Yes, yeah, Right. They seem not to be the most well-received people in the community because they seem to be cheats, crooked, tempted by money. Now, we already understand from today's reading that this tax collector in the Lord's narrative was humble, and he requested God to be merciful to him. So that also is telling us something immediately. He describes himself as a sinner, which he would be right to do, right? We also draw from our reading that there was a, this general negative view of tax collectors because of the way the Pharisee describes him, the company that the tax collector keeps in the Pharisee's mind, right? He's pointing to his own proud piety, and he says, I'm not like that guy who would be an ex, like the extortioner, the unjust, the adulterer, or that guy, the tax collector. I'm not like them. And so both the tax collector looking at his own heart, says, I'm a sinner. And the Pharisee, looking outside at his, at his external action, says he's a sinner. They both agree. The guy's a sinner. And they're not the only ones. When we look at Luke chapter 5, we're in 18 right now. When we look at 5, 27 to 32, we learn that Jesus agrees with their evaluation. Jesus, too, calls the tax collector a sinner. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me and leave everything. And he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why? Do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, saying, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the Lord himself calls tax collectors sinners. That's who he's hanging out with. That's who he's calling to follow him because they are in need of healing. Tax collectors are among the sinners whom Jesus calls to repentance. Jesus called Levi to repentance. And Levi, who we know better as Matthew, threw a great feast for him. Pay attention to the details. He throws a great feast for him, inviting a large number of people tax-collecting colleagues from the office, armed or otherwise, I suppose, and other people. That was just a cultural joke. I don't know. Do you think they let the cops come to the party? Would you, Casey, let non-gun-toting people come to your? Okay, all right. Lighten up, guys. Thank you. Has nobody heard that thing about the tax collector, the IRS? Okay, never mind. Large feast, lots of people. That's the point. (laughs) He invites sinners to feast with Jesus, Levi does. And this kind of becomes Matthew's thing. Same guy, right? Kind of becomes Matthew's thing. He wasn't satisfied with just bringing local sinners, his local peers, to eat with Jesus. That wasn't enough for Matthew. After becoming a follower of Christ and witnessing all that Jesus did to save sinners, Matthew sat down, and he wrote out one of the greatest invitations to feast with Jesus ever distributed to mankind, the Gospel of Matthew, right? From his feast with Jesus, we learn of this evangelist and how he came to believe in Jesus. We learn a few other details about tax collectors, too. For one thing, Levi, Matthew, was well off enough to throw this great feast. Where he just not just him and Jesus, you know, eating it up, but they brought in all these people. It's a super bowl party like you've never seen with Jesus. It's the first time there's a feast mentioned in Luke. And here it is with this tax collector. So he had the means to do this. In Luke 19, we meet another tax collector with a probably a good purse, a deep pocketbook, a rich guy by the name of Zacchaeus. You just think of him as a short guy, but that's because you like to profile people, think, think down on them. I like to focus more on the fact that he's a cheater, and he swindles people out of his money. His wealth seems to have been from that, from cheating people. And he makes this confession after being called to host the Lord at his house. So Jesus does like to eat, likes to dine, likes to stay with these outcasts, these tax collectors. Like Matthew and the tax collector praying inside of the Pharisee in today's gospel reading, Zacchaeus repented of his sins when he saw the Lord and engaged with the Lord. The analogy Jesus uses when explaining to the Pharisees why he eats and drinks with these sinners, such as tax collectors, is a medical one. He says, those who are well Have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Can anyone relate with that? We all can relate with that, right? We also can all relate with the people who are in denial when they are sick of needing help, of needing a physician. I don't need to go to the doctor, I'm okay. I'll be off, I'll be fine. That's a Pharisaical. When we bring that into the theology, the spiritual realm, that's a pharisaical response to the the gift of healing that Jesus gives us. I don't need Jesus. I'll rub a little dirt on it. I'll be good. Uh, Maybe in baseball, but not when it comes to Jesus. So why is the tax collector from our gospel pericope truly pious and humble? and therefore justified, exalted by Christ. Well, because tax collectors, at least the ones that God tells us about in the Bible, understood that they were sick and understood that they needed a doctor. And this we understand from our gospel text. The Pharisees' prayer was the sort prayed by one who's in denial of his illness. The tax collector's prayer was brutally honest. A prayer of a patient, at the mercy of his doctor. Not only am I sick with this disease, Jesus, but also this one, this one, this one, and this one. Oh, and don't forget to look there. That also has been ailing me. It's revealing everything. When my family goes to the doctor, I'm the guy who wants to tell the doctor every little thing about everything wrong with everyone, right? And Jessica's like... They don't need to know that. Like, no, no. Like, we're in the doctor's office. This is the time. Tell them everything so they can help us. Jessica's a little more prudent, and she's like, they're not asking us about that right now. They need to know about this thing, right? Um, We want to confess all that we can to Jesus. Be more like me. That's not to put Jessica in a bad light. That analogy went really bad really fast. Um, in the regards to tell Jesus all your problems is the point. Be more like my wife every other time. That's, that's what I try to do. And this is. Our Lord have mercy. Thank you. Thank you for being the one who forgives our sins. This is our lesson today. You are a sinner just like me. Only when you're honest about what you will Bring to the table who you are, that you're a sinner. Only then, when you can confront your trespasses, will you receive the redemption that Jesus wants to give you, that Jesus has given you by coming and dying on the cross for you. That is when he justifies you. That's how he exalts you. But it's through that confession that you then receive that absolution. It's being like the tax collector saying lord have mercy on me a sinner not even feeling worthy enough to even come near or even to look in the direction of god but just staying far off feeling like you're not worthy and the lord comes and says no you are through me come what did jesus say to the repentant sinner tax collector in our text luke 18:14 i tell you this man went down to his house justified we believe that we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. He says the same thing to you when you repent of your sins and pray for mercy. He did it this very, this very morning in confession and absolution. This is why I ask everyone who is able to kneel to be lowly. You ever heard the phrase of being cut off at the knees? I heard it all the time growing up. I, my dad always wanted to cut me off at the knees. <laughs> don't know why. I was, my mom said I was an angel. but my dad said he's going to cut me off at the knees. I don't know what's going on. I needed a dose of humility. This is why we, we kneel. To be lowered in stature before our Lord. And then he raises us up. Humble yourselves, dear saints. Repent of your sins. Be like Matthew and Zacchaeus and all the other tax collectors who, having been baptized, declared God to be just. Go take a look at Luke seven twenty nine when you get home. Take a look at how the tax collectors and the Pharisees are interacting with John's baptism in that text. In baptism, you are justified by the blood of Christ, called like Matthew to follow Jesus. You've heard his call. You're here this morning. Live in it and be forgiven by it. All your trespasses, gone, healed from your sins. Matthew sent out the invitation to come and to feast with Jesus. Mark, Luke, and St. John did the same thing in their gospels. Come, come and receive the medicine of immortality as we call it. You've heard the invitation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and here you are you've arrived to recline at table with your Lord at the communion table, the Lord's table. In just a moment, you will recline with him just like Levi and Zacchaeus and all the other unmentionables who are too lowly to hang out with the Pharisees, the world's authorities, all the, you know, the uppity-up types. You, my friend, are outcasted. I love knowing you. We are a motley crew. Our Lord continues to this very day to feast with sinners. We are the kind of people he likes to rub elbows with extortioners, unjust, adulterers, tax collectors, even Pharisees if they would ever humble themselves enough to be forgiven. And even you, yes, even you can feast with the Lord. What sins have you committed? Ask yourself that question. If someone was describing you, writing about your prayer life, your, if you were in the example today, we have one described as a Pharisee, we have one described as a tax collector, we have mention of extortioner, adulterer, unjust. How would you be mentioned? What label would define you? What title would you be given? Idolater? Blasphemer? Hypocrite? Self-centered? Murderer slash hater? Adulterer slash luster? Thief? Slanderer? Gossip? Cheat? Greedy? All the above, that's me. And guess what, dear sinner? You're in great company, truly, because the Lord came to eat with sinners. The Lord came to call sinners to repentance. Are you a sinner? Yes, you are. Welcome to repentance. Welcome to righteousness. Welcome to the table of the Lord. Here you have hope. Here you have healing. Jesus is your friend. He has come to be your guest, to hang out with you like he did Levi and Zacchaeus and all the others. Drop to your knees, cast your eyes on the ground in humility. Repent of your sins and see how Jesus raises you up, justifies you by the blood of his cross and exalts you to sit with him at his table, not only at our feast today, but at the great marriage feast, which is to come on the last day. When all of us lowly outcasts who plead for God's mercy will no longer pray for Jesus to come and be our guest. But we'll go into his father's house to be his, to live with him forever where he has prepared a room for us. No longer defined by our sins. This is an interesting time that we live in with the the gender identity politics stuff going on. Everyone is identifying themselves by their sins. Isn't this weird? Yes and no. We've always done that. Look at how the Pharisee identified the tax collector with his sins. Because as Bob pointed out, they were identified as guys who were cheats. They would swindle. They would steal. They would would get it from a dishonest means. We've always done this. Don't identify yourself by your sin, but by whose you are. Christ's. And so therefore, who you truly are. Christians. Every other identifier in your life means nothing. You are a Christian. Who cares about your sin? Christ has dealt with your sin. It does not identify you. It does not have that much power over who you are. You are not to be known forever in eternity with the Lord by your sin today. So do not be known by it today, but be known by him The Lord put a mark on Cain, as we heard in our Old Testament reading, to protect him, even though he was a great sinner. The Lord has put a mark on you, too the mark of the cross. As we say in baptism, both upon your forehead and upon your heart, to mark you as one redeemed by Christ. That's who you are. Not a tax collector. Not an extortioner, adulterer, idolater, blasphemer, greedy, hater, murderer, adulterer, all the different things I mentioned before. Those things don't define you. Christ defines you. That's your identity. Justified, exalted, Christian. Amen. 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 Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard and keep your hearts in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.